Welcome to CEO Crossing. Owning a business is hard, especially when you are crossing over from one challenge only to be met with another. CEO Crossing is your source for inspiration, education, and reformation. It's where CEOs tell their stories, drop their knowledge, and help you succeed by showing you how to avoid their previous mistakes or take lessons they've already learned to help you accelerate your growth and success. Do you have a thirst for knowledge? Join us as host Paul Kirch helps you cross over by bringing you powerful insights and dynamic expert guests. And don't forget to jump in and join our social learning network by visiting ceocrossing.org and simply apply for membership today. Now, let's welcome the host of CEO Crossing, Paul Kirch. Paul Kirch. Well, hello, folks. It's Paul Kirch, host of CEO Crossing. I'm so grateful you're here today. I'm bringing back a guest that I've interviewed multiple times on my previous show, Boss Academy Radio. Now, Boss Academy Radio was picked as a top 10 business podcast show at one point. Uh, it was an award-winning show, and I had some amazing guests, but it brought very few people back more than once. Well... Our guest today is somebody I brought back four times because not only is his story amazing, but he's just an amazing guy that is moving the needle in some really fascinating ways. Now, he's been on the show Shark Tank twice. He has five companies that he runs, but he's also an avid and very successful YouTuber with more than 6.3 million people following him today. It's a staggering number that has just absolutely multiplied time and time again since I met him. And I don't even remember where he was, but it wasn't even probably half that number when I first started talking to Aaron. So I want to bring him on because CEO Crossing Stories is really about the idea of having a platform where CEOs, entrepreneurs, business leaders can share a story of success uh, where they maybe didn't do it the right way. Maybe they did it the hard way. Maybe they faced multiple failures before they had success. Well, that's Aaron. He he will tell you very openly that he has faced challenges along the way to get where he is. But where he is is a beautiful place, and he's happy. He is very fulfilled in what he does, and he fulfills the lives of a lot of people with a great message. So I want to introduce you to Aaron Marino. Like I said, he's somebody that I've interviewed multiple times. I've gotten to know him, and I consider him a, a, a friend and uh, somebody that I really admire, and I think you're going to love what he has to share. So let's welcome Aaron Marino, the founder of Alpha M, to CEO Crossing Stories. Aaron Marino, welcome to CEO Crossing Stories. We're so glad you're on, buddy. Paul, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. We go way back. We do. Man, I've been following you for a long time, and you were a guest on Boss Academy. I think I think you were on four times, and we did one of my favorite episodes <laughs> was where you came on and talked about, uh, you know, overcoming fear and facing stress and depression head on. And it was amazing because I think you really inspired a lot of people with that message. And the reason I wanted you to have, have you on CEO Crossing Stories, even though I know your story, our audience may not, and your journey to where you are right now, I mean, you're an avid YouTuber and you have several companies that you own, but one of your primary brands is Alpha M, which is your, 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 uh, I guess, men, men's influence channel on YouTube where you have 6.3 million subscribers, which is an amazing number. I know that hasn't been easy, but man, you've worked hard to get here. But let's step back and talk about the journey of getting to the point where you are today. I mean, you used to have a, I, and I think it was a health and nutrition business. Is that what uh, it was? Yeah, kind of. It was, it was not long. So yeah, yeah. so let me, let me back 
everybody up a little bit. Um, it all started for me around 12 years old. Uh, 12 years old, my mom gave me a, a fitness membership. Um, I grew up with uh, a few abusive stepfathers. And so at that age, my self-esteem was like really low. And um, and I saw the movie Rocky Four, and I saw Sylvester Stallone and the Russian. I'm like, dude, if a body can look like that, that's what I want. <laughs> and so I, I started, you know, exercising in my basement, doing push-ups. And then when I was 12, I said, Mom, you know, she's like, what do you want for Christmas? And uh, I said, uh, I'd, I'd like a gym membership. And uh, and so she gave me one. And so, you know, about, you know, three times a week, she would drive me over there, drop me off. And about two hours later, she'd come back and pick me up. And and it was this this is the best gift that was ever given to me. And it was because it the, at the gym, that's when I finally sort of found myself. I found my confidence. I loved everything about it. And from the age of 12, I knew exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to own a fitness center. And um, and so, you know, fast forward, I went to college, WVU. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to own a fitness center. I need to, you know, know how to run a business. And so I got a business management degree with a minor in marketing and community health promotion. And uh, and so, yeah, at that point, I, I, I didn't know what, where I was going to go or what I was going to do. But uh, my friend uh, Terry, who actually he will come back to Terry here in a little bit, his father was dating a woman in Atlanta. And I'm from Philadelphia, and I knew that I didn't want to go back there. I didn't know where I wanted to go. And uh, his father said, hey, if you, you know, Atlanta was booming at this point. It was right after the Olympics. And he's like, if you can't make a business work in Atlanta, you can't make it work anywhere. It was super young. It was progressive. People were moving there. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. And so I drove down to Atlanta and just and just moved here. And uh, after college, and um, I, I went down and, and went to this uh, health club because at that point I was certified as a personal trainer. And I, I got a job at a Bally's health club and met a guy and I wasn't a very good uh, salesman. I was, I actually got the job at Bally's as a salesman and I wasn't very good at that. I didn't like the whole like sleazy sales thing. Um, it just, it was really kind of like shady back then. It's like, you know, the sales message would be something like, okay, if you leave, you realize you could die tomorrow. And are you comfortable having your kids be orphans? Like you better just sign up. And, and so it was like, it was really shady, but anyway, um, I met a dude, this guy, and, and he's like, hey, I want to open a, a nutrition store. And he's like, do you want to help me? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is awesome. It wasn't a it wasn't a fitness center, but that's OK. It was it was a business. I knew I wanted to own a business and it was in that 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 realm and that genre. Mm -hmm. And so um, this was back in 90, 99, maybe 99, 1999. And um and so we ended up opening a nutrition store. We ended up opening two nutrition stores and then a third nutrition store. But there was a problem. My business partner at the time decided that there was a lot of money to be made in um, this one substance called like, it, it, long story short, it was, it was like synthetic, like GHB, which was like, like a drug. And so, you know, I've, I've come to realize that a lot of the people in the bodybuilding and fitness world are the biggest drug addicts out there. And so they would take this stuff. It was it was like marketed as like a cleaner and you would drink a little bit. It was made actually from boat thin or uh, boat paint thinner. It was called fear known oh, dihydro. Long story short, the government made it illegal. He still wanted to sell it. And I said, you know what? This is not going anywhere good. And, um, you know, I didn't know much, but I knew that prison wouldn't be a place I would thrive. I would be popular, but I I, I wouldn't do well there. They have nice so, gyms, though, right? I mean, they got well, good workout equipment. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so during the time that I was at my at the nutrition store, um, I met a woman and I helped her basically lose like a hundred pounds. 
And so when I decided to leave, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go and work at, as a personal trainer at a crunch fitness up near me. And she came to me one day, she said, um, Aaron, she's like, I want to help other people the way that you help me. Would you like to go into business with me and open a personal training studio? And it was like, yes, jackpot. Um, that's, you know, what I wanted to do. And so long story short, we ended up signing the lease to our building. Um, on, and this should have been an omen. It was on September 11th, as in like the September 11th oh, no. with the planes, like crashing into the buildings. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you know, but you know, with that, we didn't know, you know, what we didn't know at that point. And so we ended up opening the, the center. I was working, you know, 80 hours a week. I was making like $24,000 a year, but it didn't matter because I was finally doing what I was put on this earth to do, which was, you know, help people and, and be a personal trainer. And, um, you know, so we decided after about two years or three years, actually, of, of doing the personal training studio that we wanted to open like a group fitness facility and that the way that we were going to actually make like zillions of dollars and be super wealthy and successful in the fitness world was we were going to open a chain of, of, of these little like these little group fitness facilities. This was back when when the company Curves was out there doing really well. For those of you out there a little bit older, you might remember Curves was a little you know, little, little center where women would go, women that typically weren't going to go into a gym, they would go there and do their little workout and leave. And they got super popular, sold, you know, thousands of franchises. And that's what we wanted to do. And so we ended up um, raising some money. And uh, in order to do that, because we weren't making much money at the, at the uh, personal training studio. And so we, uh, we raised money, we had some investors, and we, we created the first prototype for this, this, this company called Move It. And it was this group fitness facility that was catering to, you know, seniors, to parents and their kids. You know, we had classes for like little kids called like muscle sprouts. Like it was a really great idea. And I truly believe that if it was started by anybody other than myself and my business partner, it would have been like super successful. <laughs> um, but but uh, at that point, um, we started having, you know, franchise open houses and we saw, had some had some commitments, but we ended up having a big legal battle with one of our investors. Um, basically, my business partner and he got into you know a lot of you know arguments, and there's a lot of backstory to this, and I'm not going to go into it. But but essentially, we ended up starting this like legal fight, and um, and by the point at which we ended up, I ended up having to shut the doors. I was driving a a beer cart. Um, at a golf course on the weekends just to pay my bills, pay, put gas in my car and give my then girlfriend, my now wife, some money for groceries um, because I was pulling money off of my credit cards to to you know pay my staff. And it was it was bad. And so by the time everything ended, um, we I think I bankrupted like it was close to half a million dollars. I was driving a beer cart. Um, all the loans that you, you know, basically signed for, you know, you're the guarantor. And so. Um, we ended up having to shut the doors and, and, and pack our bags. And the worst part about that whole time in my life, it wasn't that I was broke because I, I grew up poor. It wasn't, you know, and at that point I wasn't making much money. Um, it was the fact that I didn't know what was next. I didn't have a plan B. And so for me, from the age of 12, the only thing that was going to mean success or happiness for me was owning this nutrition or not nutrition, but, the, but, but a gym, that was mm -hmm. it. And so when that was taken away from me, 
Um, and, and for the record, I would have done anything to keep that going. Like if I could have like sold my kidneys in order to have more money to keep it going for another six months, because in your warped little brain, when you're an entrepreneur and you're so committed, you just think to yourself, just if I could just get over that little point, if, if I just had this or if it, this just happened, it would be, you know, and, and the truth is I, we should have shot that bleeding dog a long time ago, but I had to go through that. Because if I hadn't, if I hadn't had the building collapse around me, metaphorically speaking, I would have still been trying to chase it. And so I had to, for me and the type of person I am with tunnel vision, I had to have that go away so I could sort of figure out what was next. But that was the, the hardest thing for me was I had no idea what my next step was. Um, yeah, what were you going to say, Paul? I want to touch on that because there's two points there. I mean, one, I think that as entrepreneurs, a lot of times you know, the idea of going down with a sinking ship, nobody wants to do that, but we're so um, afraid of giving up on what we've built and we've given so much to do it that sometimes we'll ride it into the ground. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that more people don't have their eyes open, have a clear plan and have a way of seeing that, Hey, this is just not working. I've, I, but at the same time, I've been in situations in my business where had I given up, I wouldn't be where I am. So it's like it's this double-edged sword. It's so dangerous. But something you touched on there and the idea of being this 12-year-old who had this passion for owning a bodybuilding business or a gym, you know, I always say where there's no purpose, there's no point. And you had a strong purpose that drove you for years. But when you gave up on it, I'm guessing you lost your purpose in that moment. And I bet that was a really hard time because I know for myself, when I lost my purpose in my business, I went through a divorce. I went through a lot of struggles personally that, that basically robbed me of, of the purpose, not because it wasn't there, but because my self-pity and all the other things I was feeling became so much more important. And then all of a sudden, you see that purpose dying. And when I rediscovered it, it's like, it's oh my gosh, so liberating. But I'm guessing you mm -hmm. went through that struggle. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, it is, it is fair. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a horrible time for me. I mean, that was, uh, yeah. that was my absolute lowest point. Um, I remember, you know, sitting there driving a beer cart, you know, in, in the middle of winter, even though Atlanta is like crazy cold, it is cold when it's, you know, when it's, when it's 28 degrees out and you're driving a beer cart without heat, you know, in, in uh, January. And so I remember just driving, I was, you know, I was 30 something years old and, and, um, you know, I'm like, what is next? I had no idea what was next. And so that was the hardest thing. I lost my identity. And I think as men, you know, we we oftentimes and women, I mean, we identify with with our career, what we're yeah. what we're doing. And so for me, like I said, from the age of 12, you know, for 20 years, I had one focus, one vision, one goal, one dream. And when that was gone, it was like, shit, like what now? I have no idea. And as hard as that time was for you, I can't even imagine the way those guys felt when you came around in the beer cart and you weren't a cute girl. Well, so, uh, it's funny. I actually outsold them. And that was the, <laughs> that was the big joke. And when, when I'd come around and uh, the guys would be like, hey, wait a second, you're not as cute as the beer cart girls. I go, come on, I've seen some of them. Yes, I am. <laughs> that was my big joke. <laughs> well, and I will tell you at the beginning of this, you start off saying that you didn't like the sales game and you, you, know, you didn't feel like you were really good at it. You're one of the best salespeople I know. But I think it's because you genuinely believe in what you're selling. And I yeah. think that's a think that's a big piece that in business sometimes we feel like we're in a position where we have to sell instead of 
being in love with our product and yeah. making sure everyone else is in love with it too. And that's, I think that's what you seem to have really uncovered with Alpha M. And it's fun listening to your, uh, I'll, I'll say subtly hidden pitches, even though they're sometimes not even subtle. <laughs> they're not subtle. No, not <laughs> they're, at all. They're buttery, they're buttery smooth, Paul. That's they, what you mean. To they say. are they're buttery and, smooth. <laughs> and they're beautiful, but, but it is because, um, I genuinely feel like you're pitching products you believe in. I do. And that's, yeah. I've, I've only pitched one product in my illustrious, um, YouTube career that I did not believe in. And as soon as I put that video out, I realized I made a huge mistake and vowed to never do that again. And the beautiful thing is that now I'm in a position where I get to be super, you know, specific and, and I, I have a lot of companies that come to me and say, Hey, you know, we'd like you to promote our product. Well, the first thing is, let me try it. You know, the, the, the brand deals are there. Now it's just about only pitching products that you believe in because, you know, with credibility, once you lose that, you might as well, you know, just give up. <laughs> and and of, I guarantee there's, there's people listening to this or watching this that may not even put two and two together. Aaron Marino, Alpha M, that's a brand that you were on Shark Tank twice with a couple of your products. And actually you even got offered a deal through, I think it was Barbara Corcoran on one of the episodes. And that was a really unique opportunity she wasn't investing in your brand. She was investing in you. Here's the interesting thing, Paul, about that Shark Tank, that Shark Tank thing. So, I, yes, I was on Shark Tank twice. Um, the first time was for an information product that I started, I, I created. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not tech savvy. So literally, I'm sitting there pitching like a DVD set. Computers don't even have like hard drive DVD compartments at that point. But I was selling it, man. I saw and, it. Um, I saw it, Aaron. I watched so the whole thing. I didn't get I didn't get a deal. That was a disaster. And I, the worst part about it, I was like, hey, you know what? They don't like it. They don't get it. $300 for an info product. You know, in the world of entre online entrepreneurs and the Internet, I mean, information products, 300 bucks. That's not that unheard of. No. Right. That's very, very common. Um, but, uh, so, so that night that it aired, I, I remember I was so excited. I had my computer, I was ready to see the numbers start just like my bank account. I'm like, I'm going to get rich. I was on shark tank, you know, 8 million people. I sold one style system the night that that was on and it was heartbreaking. Nice. nice. <laughs> and, uh, and then the second time, yeah, I went in with a real business at that point at, mm -hmm. at the point that I went in, I think it was, it had done like a million dollars in sales total. I think I, was doing like $50,000 a month. Is that your Pete and Pedro brand? Is that the, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Pete and Pedro. And, uh, yep. Pete and Pedro. Yeah. Great <laughs> so, products guys. Uh, yeah, exactly. Go ahead, so, Aaron, was, pitch him. <laughs> exactly. No, no, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't get me started, Paul. So yeah. So I went on the second time with this business. That was a real business. Mm -hmm. And, and they didn't want any part of the business, which I always am like, wait a second. If anybody else that wasn't like a YouTuber would have went in and pitched this business with the margins, with the growth, with the trajectory, they would have been all over it. But because I was this, you know, sort of YouTuber and that was sort of the, the mechanism that was driving the success and the growth, they wanted to invest in that. And so um, I, I ended up on the show taking a deal with Barbara for you know $100,000 for 10% of my company. And the company was like my, my alpha M, you know, business. And that was the YouTube and everything. And, and as soon as I got home, I'm like, yeah, this just isn't going to work. And so I ended up uh, saying thanks, but no thanks and going at it myself. Well, and the reason I brought that up is because you, you mentioned that you've only pitched one product you weren't in love with. And I guarantee that that deal, had you made it, you would have been pitching products that you would have had to find a way of feeling comfortable selling them. And I think that's really that would have been hard for you because I I know, I know that you put your heart behind what you do, 
And you know, you you can just see it in your videos. I mean, you, you're a happy guy. I see you on when I, I talk to you. I can just see that you enjoy what you do, and you know you're making a difference in people's lives. That would have been hard. And but it's also hard. And 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 YouTube has has made me have to really like you really have to be disciplined with YouTube because mm-hmm. you know when you you know grow up you don't have money and the amount of money that these companies are throwing at people now in terms of you know you know brand deals or you know hey talk about our product you know it's it's so alluring and you know if you're not used to that and you don't really have you know you're not secure in the fact that you know I've got to pass on these things that I don't you know, that I don't want or I don't love, you know, if somebody comes with a sack of cash and drops it in your lap, it's like, are you sure you don't love it? It's yeah. like, uh, well, maybe I love it a little more than I did just a minute ago. Yeah. But, so you have to be so incredibly disciplined. And that's been one of the one of the things that I've had to learn through, you know, over the years. But, um, you know, I, I did that with Boss Academy Radio. I built Boss Academy Radio to a top 10 business podcast show. But I turned down sponsorship deals because they were often brands that I felt were going to conflict with what I was doing or conflict with people that I was working with. And I just didn't feel that it was right to take a few dollars for that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Owning a business is hard, especially when you're crossing over from one challenge only to be met with another. You don't have to go it alone. Come out to CEOcrossing.org and find your source for inspiration, education, and reformation. Here, CEOs tell their stories, drop their knowledge, and help you succeed by showing you how to avoid their previous mistakes or take lessons they have learned to help you accelerate your growth and success. Visit CEOcrossing.org and apply for membership today. That was sort of like version one in terms of my life. Yeah. Everything was down. Everything was like horrible. I didn't have a plan B. And then I decided to uh, start an image consulting business. That was kind of like my thing because during the fitness day center days, one of my uh, one of my clients was a meteorologist and he wanted basically to, to, to get dressed and look good for a date. And he came to me and he said, hey, you know, do you do you know what I should wear and, and you know, what should I wear on the date? I said, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't I come over to your house? We'll check out what you have. If we need to, we'll go shopping. And while we're at it, we better go get your haircut and your nose hair is crazy. I didn't realize it then. But what I was doing was setting up a business model. And so when I when the fitness center ended up, you know, going going away, um, you know, I I was like, okay, what can I do that doesn't cost anything? And I'm like, well, let me, you know, start seeing if there's like, you know, an a a a um a market for just regular everyday guy to tell other regular everyday guys, you know, what to dress like and what to do. And and at the time I didn't even know what it was called. Um, this was back when sort of it was actually before Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was out there. And so at the time, the only resource for style, um, this is back in 2006, was was really like, you know, GQ, Esquire, things online. And I was like, you know, this is not resonating with me. It doesn't resonate with my friends, my family, my dad. Like, there's got to be just room for a regular guy that happens to know more about, you know, manscaping and shoes to, than football to, you know, just to, to help other guys. And let me see if there's a market. And so... My assistant from back, Debbie from the uh, from the um, uh, the fitness center days, she was you know sort of out of work. I said, "Hey, Debbie, do you know how to build a website?" And she's like, "Yeah, I can figure it out." I said, "Great, I'll tell you what. I'll give you you know a percentage of whatever I earn from this image consulting if you build my website." And uh, Debbie's with me today, you know, to this day. Um, and so started advertising the image consulting business 
on on Google. And this was back when you could actually bid on on keywords and not have to spend $50, $100. I think my budget per month was like $300. And I was getting customers from all around the country. And, um, and so then fast forward 2008, my wife gave me a video camera. And I was like, ah, I, I was not the most tech savvy person to actually, I was the least tech savvy person that I knew, but uh, I had this video camera for a little while. I'm like, what do you, you know, I thought she was, you know, just kind of freaky and wanted to do, you know, some, <laughs> some home movies. And that was apparently not the case. And so I'm like, well, let me just, you know, open this up. It was, I think like two years after YouTube sort of in, its inception and I had never been on YouTube, but like once or twice prior to me saying, you know what, let me see if I can figure out a way to make videos and, and upload them to YouTube. And, um, and so I made my first video, it was like a minute and a half long and, um, I had no idea how to edit it. So I had to, I do like 75 takes in order to get this one like minute and a half clip mm -hmm. and, um, and I uploaded it. And it was at this moment that I got my first comment about, Hey, I'm a heavier set guy. You know, what should I wear? I'm like, Oh my God. And it was at this point, I'm like, I was, I was hooked. I found my voice. I found my, uh, a community that I felt validated and that valued my opinion. And I think that's ultimately what I had been searching for and chasing my whole life was, was just to feel validated and like I mattered. And so that was it. And so from there, I just kept posting and posting and posting and posting and posting and uh, posted for probably six years before I ever made any money on YouTube. I mean, I've been doing it since 2008 and um, you know, it's 12 years ago. And so for the first like five or six years, it was just me putting out one video a week and, um, and, and, you know, since then it's, it's sort of, it's changed obviously. And, you know, I've come out with my own products and, and, um, used my audience as sort of like a, a springboard for, you know, some of these, these companies that I started and, um, it's, it's been a kind of a wild ride ever since. Yeah. I was blown away when I looked at your numbers today, because I think I'm trying to remember how many you had when we first met, but it was not even anywhere near 6.3. And, and I, I attribute a lot of that success to obviously your hard work and your dedication, but you put out really good content. And like I said, you, you do share products that you believe in, but I think you, you, you seem like you have a lot of fun with the content and, uh, Oh, I do. Yeah. I love, I, I love making videos. It's, it's, yeah. I, I, I just absolutely love it. Yeah. And you're disgustingly good at it too. And now <laughs> I, I hate to ask a boy his age, but how old are you now? I'm 44, 44. And you're ripped. I mean, you're in incredible shape. So obviously you never gave up. I, got on I have to stay in good shape. Well, yeah. it's, fitness has been the one constant in my life since the age of 12. Yeah. And it's something that, I mean, it is my, I attribute, you know, all of my success, not all my success, but I mean, you know, the fact that I'm not in, you know, like a fetal position in, in the corner and, um, you know, I've been able to deal with, you know, some hardships over the years. And, and I feel like fitness has been, the, the thing that I've always turned to. And, um, it's, it's my number one true passion. Well, and so yeah, I stay in shape. And I, and I think, you know, you had a childhood that obviously, um, toughened you up in a lot of ways cause you had to deal with a lot of pain and a lot of struggles that, you know, as an adult, you know, you probably face things head on with a different attitude than a lot of people do. And, you know, I brought up the fitness and I, and I hated to ask your age to put you on the spot, but the reason I ask is, is you know we're often told that men when men get in their 40s and 50s that it's just part of the natural progression that they're going to be you know sluggish and soft and it doesn't have to be that way you know i 
I'll tell you, I made a lot of bad choices because I became somebody that I used food as a crutch. When I was depressed or stressed, I ate. You know, mm-hmm. I'd drive by McDonald's and go, oh, man, I've had a lousy day. Maybe I should stop and get something to... It was like my drug yeah. of choice. And so, you know, I'm my girlfriend and I are right now really in the process of getting in better shape, losing weight, and and it's been amazing. And it's like I feel like I'm defying the odds because, like I said, we're often told that when you get a certain age, it's just not really possible. But that's not true today. I mean, and I think no. that... No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's not true. And whoever's an telling you that, you're listening to the wrong people. Yeah. No, it, it's about being the best that you can be, you know, at whatever age. And, you know, I thought that I was, I and, and I, I thought that I was going to be the guy that was going to be really weird about getting older, um, you know, getting gray hair and getting some wrinkles and things of that nature. I thought that I was going to be the guy that was going to be getting the Botox mm-hmm. and, and coloring his hair and stuff like that. But I've really kind of like settled into it. And I think really it boils down to I'm just I'm content and I'm very happy and I feel good for my for my age. I take care of myself the best that I can. And, um, you know, I'm in I'm in a good place. And so I'm, I'm very fortunate because um, if you would have told me, you know, 12 years ago that that I'd be making videos for a living and and I'd be as happy not having a fitness center as I am, I would have punched in the face because that was not what, <laughs> what the future held for me. It was, it was absolutely not. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be happy to be here, happy to be standing and just feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world that I found something that I love doing and, and that I can make a living at. Well, and I asked about the fitness for a reason, because here we are, um, you know, like I said, you're in your forties and you've built this amazing business. But I know that uh, any business, I mean, you have, uh, what is it? Five brands now that you run, which that's no small task. And no matter how the team, what kind of team you have, I know there's ups and downs and I'm sure there's challenges. How important is staying physically fit? Uh, how important is it for your mental acuity? How important it is for your ability to face the stress head on of running a business? It's all mental for me. That, that is the reason why I exercise at this point. Not, you know, yeah, I like, you know, looking good and being confident with my shirt off at the beach, but more than anything, it's, it's my stress management. Yeah. It's, and when I exercise, it allows me to sort of decompress. And, um, you know, that is my time. When I go out for runs, I run like almost every day. That's my time when I can really just like be by myself and I can think and I can think through problems and situations. And so, it's me time. And so, you know, the number one thing that I have to do is, is be good for myself. And, and so fitness is, I have, I've built my world around my exercise routine, honestly. Um, you know, everything I do, like, like, you know, there are certain things that I will not do during the day, but exercise is not one of them. I know how important it is for me emotionally and mentally in order to deal with everything else that I got going on. What do you say to those people that say they don't have time to work out, which is obviously one of the biggest excuses. Now, obviously, that's the that, that's not true, and everybody who says that knows it. <laughs> I, you can find time if it's a priority. No, it absolutely 100% true. And, I, and I'll tell you, um, when you make the shift in terms of mindset for anything in your life, I think often you discover how you were lying to yourself, right? So I went, I used, I used to work out every day. I was cycling 300 miles a week i was working out seven days a week and i wouldn't skip a day even though i know you're supposed to skip days and then something happened in my life that i won't go into on this episode but it um 
derailed me and I stopped working out and I really struggled to get back into that mindset. And it was an emotional struggle that held me back for so long. And then once I got out of that, I just needed that one little workout. You know, I needed to do one thing outside of my comfort zone and I knew I could break free. And it's amazing. Once you break free, you go back, oh my God, I lied to myself for so long and I didn't even realize it was happening. Yep, and absolutely. It doesn't just apply to exercise. It applies to everything we do in our life that's negative that we, or even sometimes things that are positive that we do so much that they become negative, right? Maybe we spend too much time working out because then it gets in the time of, spending time with our family and and other things so it's uh it's amazing how we can break through those mental barriers are there things that you do to help yourself when you've got a mental block or when you're facing struggles is it going out for a run is it something else that helps you snap out of those times when you're really just kind of unable to get through uh, an issue i don't you know there aren't many things that i I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I don't have the luxury or I, I, I should say I don't afford myself the luxury of of, you know, throwing my hands up and be like, I don't know, like I, I need to figure it out. And yeah. so, um, you know, whether or not that's, you know, business related or, you know, personal related, like I just figure stuff out and I, I work until I, I find the answer. Well, or that at least is the, the answer. answer that I'm that the, the answer that I'm going to, you know, or the solution that I'm comfortable in, in executing. And then that may be wrong and I'll figure it out and fail or screw things up and, and change directions. But the type of person I am, I need to just try and fail or succeed on, on my own sort of, you know, my own. And I actually think that's a great answer because I know there's people that uh, they procrastinate calling it planning. And they, you know, it's like, oh, let me plan this through. And it's like, instead of just taking action. And I joke, I joke with, uh, with people, my friend, Antonio Centeno, I, I, I operate and know a lot of people in the online, like entrepreneurial space. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the reasons I tell Antonio, I said, one of the reasons why I'm, you know, able to be successful is because I'm not that smart. And he'll always look at me and say, what do you mean? I said, well, well, you and all these other people are reading books and learning. I'm, you know, just going to try it. And if I screw it up, I screw it up and, and, you know, I'm going to adjust. But by the time you get to it, it's a year and I, I've already been doing it for a year and I've already made mistakes. I've already, you know, adjusted my strategy. And so for me, I am not, you know, I don't, and that's one of the things that I'm embarrassed about whenever I do like podcasts or, or talk to people like you, Paul, you always ask me, you know, well, what, what's a book you'd recommend? And I used to lie about it. I used to be like, oh, and I'd say, start with why, Simon Sinek, right? Because I saw the TED Talk. And um, <laughs> so so then finally one day I'm just like, I'm going to just stop lying. I don't read. I don't you know, consume content that way. And it's okay. Everybody's different. But in this... Um, you know, in this entrepreneurial online entrepreneurial world, it's almost like a dirty word to say that. And so, um, but yeah, so for me, I'm a trial by fire type of thing. I need to screw things up. It's like, how do you know not to drink and drive? You get the DUI, stupid. Yeah. Like that's the kind of guy I am. And, and, and I wish I wasn't, but, but, uh, but I'm willing to risk it. And, yeah. and when you fail as bad as I, I failed before, um, failure and the opportunities to sort of try things, it doesn't scare you as much. When, 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 when you've been as low as I have been and had everything like ripped away, um, you know, what's the worst thing that happens? I, I, I screw things up. I fail. That's okay. I have the I most have... respect for an action taker. Somebody that, I mean, there's those, there's the person who thinks before they act and there's the person who takes action and then decides it's not working. And then they, 
figure out another plan. And I think those people succeed time and time again because they're moving while the other people are stagnant. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not going to ask you what book you read, but I am going to ask you, what's the best whiskey to drink when you're drinking like a gentleman? So that's... Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. I, I, uh, I'm a bourbon guy. I love yeah. bourbon. And uh, my favorite bourbon is one called Eagle Rare. You ever had Eagle I have Rare? had Eagle Rare, yes, absolutely. I love Eagle Rare. I also like Wathens, which is kind of a, another sort of random one. Um, but I think for, for best bang for your bourbon buck, I would say Larceny is super great. And then um, I also think Johnny or uh, Jim Beam Black is, is really great. It's so smooth. And I joke with people. I go, the reason why they call it Black is because that's what you remember the next day after drinking it. Because it's so smooth. It's like, what happened? <laughs> so, I love that. Well, and, and yeah. folks, I am making reference to one of his videos out on YouTube, How to Drink Whiskey <laughs> Like a Gentleman. It's it's uh, It might even be titled How to Drink Bourbon Like a Gentleman. I don't remember which. but How to Drink Like a Gentleman. And I'll tell you a quick story, and then I'll let you go. So uh, Lagavulin Scotch is one of my favorite scotches. It's very peaty. It, it has this... It, my... Uh, ex-father-in-law always said it tasted like brisket in a glass because it smells like it and tastes like it and I was on a trip with my girlfriend and my kids and kids were driving me crazy fighting in the car and we finally stopped at a hotel and I was carrying luggage in and I decided to get my girlfriend and I a beer from a long day and I grabbed her a beer and grabbed myself a beer and they had Lagavulin scotch and it was like $22 for a single little shot so I grabbed one and took it up to the room and I went down to the car to get something else, and I come back, and my girlfriend had drank the scotch thinking I bought it for her. And I almost cried. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I go back down to the bar. The bar was closed. No. And there was a guy in there cleaning up, and I'm like, I'm telling him the story. I'm like, you got to give me another shot of scotch. So he ended up selling me another one. So I spent $44 on two shots of scotch and uh, barely enjoyed it. But it was still it was hilarious. When we got back, my girlfriend bought me a bottle, so we were all good. Very good, so, very good. I love it. Aaron, appreciate you, man. I have uh, oh, really en you. enjoyed getting to know you and hearing your story, and it never gets old. And for anybody out there, can you tell people how they can learn more about you and follow along? Sure. Uh, you can just go to alphaM.com, and uh, that will get, take you to everything I do. Absolutely. And uh, it's pretty simple. AlphaM.com. And guys, check out his YouTube channel. It's amazing. And it's not just for the guys. The ladies can learn a lot, too. You'll see how our simple minds work. So Exactly. We are simple creatures, Paul. Thank you so <laughs> much, Paul. You're amazing. Thanks, buddy. Keep going, brother. Take care. Bye. Bye. I don't know, folks. To me, his story is one that inspires me. It makes me realize that we don't always have to do it the easy way. Sometimes it does take a lot of challenges before we find our path. And, you know, quite frankly, if Aaron would have stayed on the journey he was on, he probably wouldn't be where he is today. He probably wouldn't be influencing the lives of 6.3 million people that follow him. And that's just through one business, through multiple channels. He's impacted the lives in a positive way of so many people. And it probably wouldn't have happened had he found success with his original plan. So sometimes the plan is much bigger than we know it is. And in our own business, when things aren't going the way we want, maybe there's something else out there for us. Maybe there's a another avenue that we should be exploring. And sometimes it just means that we don't want to give up and quit. We need to keep grinding and keep fighting through to find that path that allows us to inspire and touch the lives of other people out there. So I want to thank Aaron Marino again for being on CEO Crossing Stories. Like I said, he's an amazing guy. I've interviewed him multiple times. I really respect him as a person. And I know that you as a listener 
probably walked away with some great insights and some great inspiration on your own. And that's really what CEO Crossing is about. We have a community filled with people like Aaron Marino, people that are moving the needle, people that have not done it the right way. Maybe they've failed. Maybe they've struggled. Maybe they've turned around and found their path through challenging means. Every one of us that's on an entrepreneurial journey, journey, none of us are doing it right, right? We've all done it in ways that maybe have led us down paths that were restrictive and maybe we didn't do it the easy way. But eventually we find our, our way if we stick to it and we stay true to ourselves, which is what Aaron's all about. So come out to CEO Crossing. Check us out. Great place for networking, great place for education and learning, and a place to take your business to the next level. So we thank Aaron Marino for being on board, but I also thank you for listening. And I look forward to bringing you more amazing stories and insights through CEO Crossing Stories. Once again, my name is Paul Kirch, host of CEO Crossing. Hope you have an amazing day. Thanks for tuning in to CEO Crossing with our host, Paul Kirch. Be with us next time when we share stories and inspiring lessons brought to you by guest CEOs and business leaders who are helping pave the path to success. If you have questions or ideas to share, email us at podcast at ceocrossing.org. No matter your experience level, business leadership is hard and no one should go it alone. Cross over at ceocrossing.org. CEO Crossing.org. And let us help you accelerate your business success today.